Welcome in to the Illini Inquirer podcast, and we are going to talk some basketball today. We got Derek Piper in the house. Derek, why aren't you breaking news right now? Like that's what the people want. They the waiting, as Tom Petty said, is is the hardest part. But we're going to talk about Ray J. Dennis taking visits, and not just Illinois. We're going to talk about a big week for Terrence Shannon. Uh, Coleman Hawkins and Illinois basketball with the NBA draft combine. I am uh, crossing my fingers, toes, and everything I can so that the Bulls can get uh, a high draft pick and not hand it to the Orlando Magic and not be able to do anything this offseason. The NBA draft lottery is tonight, Tuesday. But welcome in, Derek Piper. Got away with the family for a little bit, as did I. How are you, man? It's good to be back. Doing well. Enjoyed the vacation. We went out west to Phoenix area and then. Uh, this past weekend, I was down in uh, Nashville for my brother's PhD graduation at Vanity. That's Chris. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's awesome. Uh, it's been nice. And uh, yeah, the people are hungry. I get it. They want to see Ray J. Dennis pop. And um, he's taking his time uh, exploring some options, which we'll get into. And I, I fully understand personally. But um, yeah, and then you also got the combine going on. It's interesting to see some of these numbers that are coming out the first day. Um, and what Coleman Hawkins and, and Terrence Shannon are going to do. It's a big impact. There's, it could be a big swing, especially if it's two one way or the other on what this roster is going to look like for Illinois. I get the angst. I, I truly do. And, and I get why people want, and, and we've learned this with our subscriber survey going on right now, they want any nugget, any rumor, no matter the veracity of it, um, <laughs> they, they want any kind of nuggets to know whether their team is going to be a Big Ten contender, Derek, or whether they're going to be scratching to make – the NCAA tournament, and that's the realm of possibilities here. If if Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon both came back, and Ray J. Dennis is on this team, I don't think this team's the favorite to win the Big Ten. I think Michigan State or Purdue probably is that, but they could be one of those teams that gets votes to potentially win the Big Ten because they're old, they're talented, there's some continuity, they've upgraded areas they've needed to upgrade shooting and, and point guard, but if Illinois doesn't get any of those guys we're talking about a team that could finish in the bottom half of the big 10 um, based on what else they would do. Plus, are they going to go get a, a big man? If Coleman Hawkins uh, ends up uh, staying in the draft, there's so, so much riding on these next couple weeks for Brad Underwood and Illinois basketball. At least we know we're going to have some answers in the next few weeks because you've got the May 31st deadline of Coleman and Terrence have to make their decisions, whether to stay in the draft or come back. But like you, you said, I, they may not be the favorite if they were to have all those dominoes fall their way, but because you have Michigan State returning a lot, Purdue is, is still going to be a, a really good regular season team for sure. We'll see Zach E's got to officially come back too to, to make that come through for them. But like they could have a chance to really challenge for a league title with those type of pieces coming together. I think they you can make an argument they should be a ranked team uh, going into the year with Shannon, Hawkins, Ray J. The fact that you have so many – rotation pieces and a lot of depth and uh, a lot more experience. You'd be one of the most experienced yeah. teams definitely in the Big Ten, if not out there at the high major level for sure. So uh, if it is kind of a split, if you get Terrence back and, and Coleman's in the draft, I think it's still – and if you do add Reggie Dennis because you don't have a point card otherwise and how that would play out. I I know everybody wants to know, like, what's the plan B? What if Reggie doesn't come and, and who's the next point guard? I I can tell you right now, I think there would be a significant fall off, at least based on what we know right now, between getting a guy like that and then trying to figure out who's still available in the middle of May. But, um, yeah, there, there is a lot at stake. And Brad wants to win every year, like we've talked about. Uh, he's been – I think it's been twofold in that you make some of these earlier additions. It gives you an insurance policy and, and has some pieces to where if 
Terrence and Coleman stay in the draft, you got some answers on the on the roster still. But uh, I think the the primary goal, and I think a lot of what has gone into it, is that these are really good role players. If we can get our stars back, then we've got a a pretty complete team. So uh, that's what you're hoping for, and we'll see what goes through the rest of this week with the combine and. I would imagine Ray J. Dennis doesn't extend it out too much longer. I think that we'll probably have a decision here in the, within the month at yeah. the very least. Yeah, the way I look at this roster right now, Derek, it's it's built like maybe what Nebraska was last year, if, if nothing else happens, right? Where you have a Marcus Domask who's like uh, a Sam Greasel. You have a Quincy Guerriero who could be like a Derek Wall. Not the same player, not the same, but just a high-floor guy who, who's a good player, can be a good starter in the Big Ten. They got some young guys that need to take a, a big step up, right? And, and Ty Rogers and Sear Harris, Dane Danger. You have a com- team that can be competitive, but maybe not a team you can count on with with a high ceiling. These guys we're talking about are high ceiling guys. And before we get into Shannon and Hawkins, let's focus on Ray J. Dennis, the Toledo transfer guard. We've been wondering most of the offseason, who are they waiting for? It's obviously Ray J. Dennis, uh, the Mac player of the year. And this hasn't happened quickly. It has not happened as quickly as Illini fans wanted. And now he's taking visits. You reported last week, and he did, took a visit to Illinois. Then he's followed up with visits to Michigan as well as Baylor. And it sounds like Kansas State could still get a a visit here as well. What does that mean for Illinois, Derek, that that he's visiting elsewhere? I think that, yeah – he's open to at least hearing some people out. And when you're a highly coveted free agent, why wouldn't you? I I think when you compare it to the NBA or the MLB, like when you got someone that's one of the top players in the market, they don't necessarily just sit down with one team, even if in the, in their minds, like I'm probably going to end up there. They usually visit other places, hear out other offers and and that whole kind of deal. So I know that that has given some angst to a lot of fans, but it kind of makes sense from a business standpoint. If you think about, Trying to get the best package NIL-wise, if you introduce competition, that can obviously uh, increase your price tag. But it, it might just be a guy that is trying to make sure that he's doing the right thing wherever he goes. Like, he's trying to do his homework. He's going to campuses, getting the feel, meeting with the people face-to-face. Like, the fact that when he came to Champaign last week, that was the first time he got a chance to, to really meet with Brad Underwood and Tim Anderson and everybody on staff and, and be on campus. So... Uh, to do that with Baylor is totally understandable. Like Baylor in the last few weeks has been rumored as the, the biggest threat to Illinois. I think the Michigan visit was a little surprising to a lot of people because I hadn't heard them brought up here a lot recently. I think on the front end, when he was first rumored to be going to the portal, Michigan was a team that was said to be probably in, in contention for him and at least wanted him a lot. Now, since then, they had landed Caleb Love and Doug McDaniels obviously back. They lost Hunter. So... Uh, that one would be, I think, an odd fit, at least the way I look at the roster construction. And I think that Illinois is in a better position to to win, especially if they get Terrence and, and at least Terrence back. If, if you get Coleman back as well, that would really help you too. But I, I think it's just a situation where he's going through the process. Uh, I still personally view Illinois as being in the driver's seat. And we'll see how this thing really falls the rest of the way. Like you mentioned, I think if he does take that K-State visit, what does that look like? Uh, Illinois hasn't used an official. He came here on an unofficial. Is it out of the realm of possibility he could take an official to Illinois? I don't think it is. Um, so we'll have to see how this thing plays out. But, yeah, in the meantime, it's going to make people wonder, hey, is Illinois on as solid ground as we thought? Are they getting surprised by some of this stuff? 
I don't necessarily think – I think outside of the Michigan visit, I don't think anything has necessarily been surprising. This is good competition. I mean, no matter what you think of Juwan Howard, Michigan has produced some NBA talent. Um, and, and he's put together some NCAA tournament runs. Baylor, I mean, the guards they've had there recently, Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Kendall Brown, Jeremy Sohan, a little bit different of a guard, but uh, obviously they've had a lot of success. They had the guy transfer out LJ Cryer, got another lottery pick likely uh, this this year. And they win a lot, and they're, they're a national contender. And then you got Kansas State. I mean, Jerome Tang couldn't probably have a better first year. We saw what Marquis Noel did. Um, why do you think Illinois sell can stack up with those other programs, Derek? You do have the unique factor of the home state, for sure. That, that is something that is different than some of these other options. I, I think that Baylor, they've lost – like you said, you lose Cryer, you lose Keontae George, the draft. Adam Flagger right now still has a decision to make, but I know they've kind of been operating through the offseason as if he's going to stay in. He's already 23 years old, uh, kind of that early to mid-second round pick, so he could potentially still want to come back, potentially. Um, but otherwise, Baylor has a lot to sell as far as a point guard goes. Like That's what Illinois is really hanging their hat on, I think, as far as one of their biggest things is that they have so much opportunity for Ray J to come in and have the ball in his hands and to have good pieces around him too, to be able to set those guys up. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if part of this with Ray J is he wants to see really what Terrence Shannon's going to do or what Coleman Hawkins is going to do. Like, I think that that matters in terms of what the situation looks like at Illinois too. Um, Kansas state, like, like you mentioned with Baylor, like Baylor has a lot to sell, like Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, were first round picks on that team that won the national title. You got Keontae George in there right now. You got Adam Flagler who had a great year. LJ Cryer shot the cover off of it and uh, was one of the top transfers out there in the market. They've done really well with guards and it's been a great program for Scott Drew. Kansas State just went to the Elite Eight. Marquise Newell was one of the top players of the of the tournament and they need somebody else like that. Now I it was interesting kind of reading and hearing kind of what was going on with with Max Asmus and his recruitment and, and you wondered now, he went to Texas, and Texas really wanted him. But you wondered, kind of, was Kansas State okay with what they already had? Did they not go all the way full bore on that one? So what's their situation look like uh, kind of sitting there uh, at point guard, too? I just think that for Ray J, it makes most sense for him to go somewhere where he's the legit point guard. He's going to get a lot of opportunities with the ball in his hands. I just think Illinois fits everything, whether it's uh, NIL, uh, opportunity at point guard, close to home, all that kind of deal. I think Illinois just checks every box, but I think Baylor checks a lot of boxes too. And if you want to go play for Jerome Tang, Kansas State, I, I couldn't argue with that either. Yeah, if, if you're the pessimist, Eric, it's what is the backup plan? Is there a backup plan? You know, I saw Jeremiah Williams enter the portal. We know Illinois had interest in him last year. He transferred from Temple uh, to Iowa State and they didn't play. That's injury risk. That's you know hasn't done it at the high major level yet. That's a significant drop off, right, from what we're talking about with with Ray J. Dennis. Uh, but if I want to be an optimist, I could sit there and say Illinois read these situations pretty well in the past, right? Like they read Terrence pretty well. And whether you believe Hunter Dickinson and they got the the break with Michigan admissions or not, I I don't know. Like maybe you can comment on that. Matthew Meyer, we we knew they were kind of waiting on him last year and they were patient and and they seem to read that one right uh domas guerriere they closed really quickly on those guys so um i guess that's my if you want to be a pessimist that's why you look at it if you want to be an optimist that's the way you can look at it no, i think that's that's well put and the the side of who else would be there 
Yeah, like you said, Williams is somebody that they liked a decent amount. And actually, they were kind of disappointed that when he went to Iowa State last offseason. They thought him to be a, a good combo guard. That's could, could place him on the point, but even somebody that could be kind of that bigger guard that could facilitate, and they liked his game. And if that was something you had to pivot to, it's better than nothing. And I still think there's going to be some more options that potentially pop out there when you have the fact that the May 11th deadline doesn't necessarily apply to grad transfers. Grad transfers could still enter the portal, be immediately eligible. So whether that's people that are going through the draft, I said this on the radio show yesterday, I don't necessarily know of a bunch of point guards or even one point guard that's currently in the draft that would be a grad transfer. I haven't done my homework too much on that, but I haven't necessarily heard a lot of, hey, this is the next guy. So um, I, I do think that maybe you put the word out there if Illinois were to miss on Ray J. Like, they have a huge opportunity still at point guard. You could have some people at other places that if you weren't thinking about going to the portal, hey, they late decide, I, I'd like to, to see what this thing looks like. And uh, so there could still be some more moving pieces in the case that you don't get him. Uh, but like you said, they've also done a good job of, of knowing certain situations. It's been clear that like, they – really haven't been that involved with other point guard options. Like they did like Ace Baldwin, uh, the, who was out of ECU, the coaching change. Uh, Chester Frazier had some connections there. Uh, I think if you would have gotten Ace Baldwin, it would, it would have taken you out of the mix for Ray J. Dennis. And you couldn't have gone wrong with either one of those because those are two uh, very, very good options. But outside of Ace Baldwin, like they haven't dabbled that a whole lot with other point guards. So uh, I think that tells you how they felt about their chances to potentially get Reggie Dennis. Now it's not done until it's done. Like you could say, Hey, we think we're going to be the favorite. We think we have the, the first chance, the first crack to, to get this thing done. It doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything. So uh, we kind of saw that not to say that they held out, but like, I remember when TJ Holyfield went in the portal, they thought he was theirs to lose and uh, they lost him, unfortunately. But yeah. yeah, I mean, this is a Tim Anderson recruit. Tim Anderson has a pretty high hit rate and Illinois has a lot to sell. And they, they've they've kind of weighed this thing out. Now it's here, but they got to get it done. Uh, I do think just the urgency of like what else is going to happen if they don't get them, they've got to do whatever it takes, even if it is quote unquote overpaying in the NIL wise or whatever. They got to get this thing done. Great stuff, Derek. Let's go to the NBA draft combine. Uh, Matthew Meyer's been in the G League combine, did not get invited to the draft combine. I think Matthew Meyer's got to work his way through the G League to get a chance. He can shoot. We know he can do that. Um, at times, he's streaky. But uh, I think he can have a chance uh, because he's a long shooter. But Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins are potential draft picks where this week could have a significant impact. I don't know if it's just the, the drills they're going through this week, um, but the five-on-five -five scrimmage I, I think is going to be really important for them. But neither is really a guaranteed, you know, high draft pick in the second round or a first round draft pick. So they they have some really interesting decisions to make. But what do you think Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins have to show this week to help themselves solidify themselves as draft picks? I think for Coleman, the three point shooting is really something that the NBA is looking for. Now, I, when you get into five on five type stuff, I'm sure decision-making with the ball and how that works is something that you look at his turnover rate, like the fact that he had six giveaways in that last tournament game against Arkansas. You kind of want to see him just be more of a steadying presence offensively because you don't want a guy that if he's in your second rotation is going to take too many gambles and, and be a, a really volatile player in that sense. I think defensively they're going to 
like what he shows because he's so versatile. And I know his athletic testing yesterday wasn't the greatest, but he does have the length and ability to switch on the people and uh, just guard multiple spots. So uh, that's a, a big asset for him. I think it's his shooting is probably the first thing that they want to look for and, and see if he can be. Because I, I when I think about Coleman, that I think he's the most valuable if he's a pick-and-pop big man. I think yep. if he can play kind of pick-and-pop, if he can short roll and, and, and secondary create, uh, that's really – what you'd like to see the most and, and even if it is because sometimes you, you get in certain certain situations where you go to the NBA you're not the the first second maybe even third option offensively so just someone that can spot up shoot in case the defense collapses on somebody just to not be a, a big liability now you look at his three-point numbers career 28 percent three-point shooter in college same percentage that he shot this past year catch and shoot numbers weren't really ideal especially even on open ones uh, he's got to be able to to make make those and knock those down. And, and personally, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Like yeah. when you have these the star drill or the three point shoot, like they're wide open threes. Yeah. Like they're they're uncontested. Listen, I saw I saw RJ Melendez make like twenty threes in a row from the corner <laughs> this year during warmups. It's completely different when it's unscripted. You might not have the best pass. Right. You have a defense closing out on you. That's why closeouts are so important, right? Because you get somebody running at you, uh, it, it impacts your shot. So, um, yeah, that, that's nice. Those things are nice. I think the five-on-five five is going to matter yeah. a, a lot more for those guys. And But I do understand from their perspective, Derek, like Terrence Shannon I think could have been a heck of a lot better if he had a, a stable point guard situation, like a Ray J. Dennis with him. I think Coleman Hawkins could have really um, benefited from having somebody like Ray J. Dennis. And, that's why if you get him on board before the May 31st deadline uh, that Coleman Hawkins and, and Terrence Shannon have to make a decision, I think that could make those Illinois pitch even better because it's like, okay, we will now set you up way better than we did last year with rolling with freshman guards. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it could really benefit both of those. Terrence, you look at some of his numbers, like he was a high level, one of the top in college basketball catch and shoot guys his last year at Texas Tech. Now playing more on the ball at Illinois, maybe didn't get as many of those opportunities. Now he still just didn't hit those at the highest of rates, but had to do a lot of stuff off the bounce to create his own shot. And it did show that his right hand needs to get better. I think that the teams will want to look at his ball handling. I think he's going to be a someone that's going to have to be super dynamic with the ball. I, I think for the most part, he's still primarily a straight line driver. Uh, an off-ball wing that can be a, a catch-and-shoot, and then when he has the, the lane to drive, that he can do that. But assertiveness, consistency, those are things that were high and low for him at Illinois. And that's something that they probably want to look for, too. Uh, defensive engagement. There were times where I thought Terrence was a really good defender at Illinois, and other times where maybe he wasn't the best. So uh, there are certain things there that they want to probably see with Terrence. Uh, if, if UCLA – and I've wondered about this – like. Because we've talked about it through the offseason, it, it seemed like Illinois thought there's at least a, a pretty darn good chance he's coming back. What happens if UCLA game Terrence Shannon shows up at the combine? Like, what if he's in the five on fives, just absolutely going nuclear? We, we all thought he was a top twenty pick after that game, right? Yeah, I mean that would that could sway some things for sure. I still think that these NBA people are going to look at the full body of work and everything, and probably not get too impressionable about, especially wide open three point shot uh drills but the five on five stuff you're against guys that are in the same draft so i think there is a lot to to be said about you know how you compete in those type of things but to go back to the mock drafts like 
Terrence in ESPN, the athletic is still a top 40 pick. I know he's right there on the 40 number for ESPN. Uh, the athletic there is kind of in the mid thirties and that's guaranteed money. Most times that's a guaranteed contract. Again, you could get mocked that like IO was mocked late first round and then he fell. So if Terrence were to fall, then it's a completely different situation. But if he were to, to show out well enough where he thought he was going in that range, that's really hard to turn down. I, if I were advising him, I've said it before. I, I tell him to go. If you're an early second round pick, for sure, go. Totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Uh, on the other hand, I think Coleman Hawkins has so much to gain if if he came back for another year and performed well. And that's why I think Ray J. Dennis, part of this equation, would be probably pretty important for him. I think it is worth noting here: the May 11th transfer portal deadline is gone. So these guys are either going to the NBA. Or going to Illinois. Uh, I guess Terrence could be a grad transfer if he wanted to. I, he just graduated. I think he graduated. Um, so, yeah, that that could still be in play. So, uh, But uh, Terrence loves Illinois. He, he loved his year here. So, Derek, I am going to put you on the spot here. All right? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1, they're definitely gone. 10, they're definitely coming back. Coleman Hawkins, where would you rank him? I would say probably a 3. Right now, I think that I think he wants to stay in the draft. Now, look, a lot of guys that go through this process want to stay in the draft. I think now, whether, Io did after his freshman and sophomore years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you got to also balance that with what's the situation look like. I know his dad Rod has talked a lot about, hey, we want to be smart about this. We want to set Coleman up the best in terms of not putting him in a situation where he goes to the draft and even if he's picked, like if he doesn't get a, a good, even if he doesn't get a, if he doesn't get a two way, then all of a sudden you're in the G League and, and versus what you could have done. Because I agree with you. I think there's a lot to gain if you were to come back for another year. And I will say this, Derek. I think he, Coleman, is smart about this. I think his dad is really good influence on him. Um, that they, they know what this process is. Rod, if people don't know, is a really good basketball player, played professionally. So I think this they're going to go through a smart process. And whether they – get drafted as high as they want or not if they stay in the draft i think they're going to know the risk rewards of all of those so i think there's going to be a well thought out process by the hawkins i agree with that i think three or four is probably where i'd stand i think there's still a chance because as far as i understand i think that right now they've just kind of let coleman go through things they've let him do a handful of workouts with teams they've let him just prepare as best as he possibly can for the combine and then when all of that is done you sit down and really try to evaluate where you're going to be slotted so uh maybe it's it's possible that he goes through all of this and then he's not where he ultimately wants to to stand on on draft boards and what the feedback is and, and maybe illinois has ray J. dennis on board and he sees all the pieces because coleman came out and said i want to be if i were to come back to illinois i want to be on a team that's old and i want to be on a team that can do some real winning and i think that get ray j that would be both of them. If they have Ray J, Marcus Domas, Quincy Guerrier, yeah, and, and Justin Harmon, along with Ty Rogers, Sincere Harris, guys that you don't think have a lot of BS to them, um, yeah, I think Coleman would be like, I could play with that team. I can get better with that team. Yeah. He was frustrated last year with, with, with the freshman guards, with the drama that happened last year. Uh, I think that's a roster he would like to play for. So I think Brad Underwood has at least given him more to think about. Terrence Shannon, 1-10. to 10. 1 being he's definitely gone. 10, he's definitely back. Where you got him? Oh, this one's tough too. Um, a six or seven, I think, is just – I'm mostly gauging what how Illinois has been operating, honestly. I think that the way Illinois has been approaching this, you, you we talked about what is their 
pursuits look like at point guard. They haven't really gotten that involved with big guards, wings, and just kind of the the vibe that I've heard around the the Illinois camp is that they they think that there's a pretty good chance, higher than 50% chance that Terrence comes back. Now, this is still subject to change. Just like Coleman could be leaning draft and then see the feedback isn't there and come back, and and Terrence could say – or they think he's coming back and then he does well enough at the combine and, and he's told top 40 pick and he goes like, I yeah. still keep it in the, go ahead. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to say like in two weeks we could sit here and be like, it should have been flipped because yeah. you and I have kind of been of, of the, the realm. Like I think it should be seven for Coleman Hawkins and a three for Terrence Shannon. Yes. But just based on how Illinois is operating, that they're looking at front court options in the transfer portal and they're not even looking at wings. Like it, it they're not connected to any wings. Now maybe that can change, but um, you got to kind of mirror the logic of it, like from the outside perspective, and then the what you hear and, and how Illinois is operating. Yeah, and that, that does make it a little difficult. And it wouldn't be fun if I just gave you 50 50 for both of those. <laughs> so uh, I got to pick a side Appreciate on this. That, yeah. um, I, I keep in the back of my mind just the fact that Terrence came to Illinois with the idea he was going to be here for one year and that he was going to have a chance to, to boost his NBA stock, be draft ready, and go. And that's not to say that as you go through your year, you kind of really evaluate, number one, how much you like the place you just went to. I think he likes Illinois a lot. Uh, and then, like, what's his – what's the risk-reward of coming back to Illinois for another year? Number one, he could get a lot of NIL money. Like, I think it would be exceeding a two-way contract. You get two-way, you're talking half a million dollars, non-guaranteed deal. I think Illinois with an NIL deal could could exceed that. Uh, as far as the, the guaranteed contract, if you've got something similar to I would assume, I don't think, number one, could Illinois compete with a $1.2 million a year? Probably not. Even if they could, why, would you, why wouldn't you just go to the NBA if you had that guaranteed contract? So uh, in the back of my mind, I've, I've kept that. And also just the mock drafts, like where he's at. And say, I, I put the most stock in Sam Vecini. I think he does the best job at this. Personally, that's the way I kind of look at this. Now, he had Iowa as a late first-round pick. He slipped. But if he's where Sam Vecini has him in the mid-30s, like I said, I, I think Terrence should go. And maybe he ultimately would if he was given any kind of guarantee or any kind of assertion that that's where he would land. But uh, I have, again, i got to balance that with, I've heard that there's a pretty good chance he's coming back. And I think that that is something that's got to continue to play out. Yeah, but Sam Vecini lives in Australia, so what does he know? <laughs> Derek uh that's for our VIP members I like that deep cut right there (laughs) yeah it's it's fascinating these are fascinating decisions these aren't easy decisions I would assume his junior year was an easy decision uh I thought Kofi Coburn was a complicated decision Uh, obviously did not end up the way he wanted it to even though he's making a career playing basketball making good money um these are more complicated decisions where it's where it's difficult and it has profound implications not only on Illinois basketball but their financial long term um, and, and the the NIL aspect of this, like Terrence Shannon three years ago, four years ago, had no reason to come back. Coleman Hawkins might have no reason to come back. That's one of the great things about NIL now, Derek, is we get these guys coming back, uh, whether it's football, basketball. Um, and, and these guys, if you believe it in altruistically, get closer to a degree too, right? So if you, if you really believe in that, uh, I think that's the power of NIL here. I fully agree. I know that it – drive some people crazy just all the the shifting parts and pieces and, and trying to keep players satisfied when you have the portal and you have the nil too but it, it's keeping it's putting college basketball in this position to have the most talent you possibly can in the game so 
uh, to be able to command back like a Terrence Shannon, like you said, to have Drew Timmy go back to Gonzaga last year, to have Oscar Sheebway stay in college basketball. Like Hunter Dickinson is another one that could, might probably just say, hey, I'm I'm going pro. I need to make money. Uh, now he's going to get, what, $2 million to go to Kansas. So uh, there's no doubt that these opportunities give the viewer the best chance to see the most talent in the game. It gives the players a chance to make a good living and, and just support their family, support their own situation while they're playing basketball and being compensated for – uh, obviously all the value that they have to these programs that make buku dollars yeah. uh so and then yeah a chance to for like a guy like coleman another year at illinois would be getting a degree so that all wraps into one and uh i, I think that that sense while it does create some some madness yeah. uh in the in other senses it, it does help the the product and just what the fans get to see too yeah and i think terrence just like coleman i think he's going to he's going to have a very thorough, well-thought-out process in making this decision. Derek, we haven't talked much prep recruiting here recently, and I think the last time we were on the pod and we had a week off because vacations and things, um, Cole Serta is off the board. Micah Shrewsbury, another win over over Brad Underwood here, now at Notre Dame, uh, gets the sharpshooter out of Bloomington Central Catholic. I remember when Illinois offered, people were like, ah, do we, do we want him? And then towards the end, people were like, oh, we missed him. How do we miss him? Um, that, that he fits well with Mike. I think that's a that's a great marriage. Makes a lot of sense. But for Illinois, it was a chance to get an in-state shooter. And uh, what was your reaction to that? It's a really nice get from Notre Dame. And Shrewsbury got in early, offered before Illinois did. Uh, obviously, back when he was at Penn State uh, in the during the high school season. And the fact of he had Andrew Funk, he had Seth Lundy. I mean, those two were the top three-point shooters in the Big Ten. He had the, the two top three-point shooters in the Big Ten this year on his roster. So just that the style of play, how he draws stuff up to get Andrew Funk shots and just the way they are able to to really put three-point shooters in a great position. I think that, that sell obviously had to stand out to Cole. And then going to Notre Dame, you have the fact that Cole started goes to Bloomington Central Catholic. You got Notre Dame factor is that – Number one, it's not as far as what far away as, as Penn State. That's an entirely different decision where you have family that can get to games and that whole kind of deal. And then also, I mean, being a Catholic school, I had to help them a little bit, I think, too, based on what I'd heard. So uh, they and they pushed. They recruited him really heavy and hard, and uh, they they wanted him bad, and they, they got it done. Illinois' standpoint, they have talked a lot about wanting shooting and prep recruiting, and especially in 24 and highlighted Cole and had Marais Johnson – uh, going out there and uh, recruiting Cole. Like, I remember talking to Merez at one of the last home games. Like, man, I'm hitting him up almost every day. So I don't think that happens if Illinois doesn't legitimately want him. And as far as I heard, like, Illinois was trying to – they knew that Cole was getting close to the decision, and they were pushing. Like, I think that they would have taken him. I think they would have been fine with taking his commitment and everything. Like, uh, was there the – did he reach the IO level of like, there's no doubt we got to get this guy type of thing. No, I think it's a little different, but uh, I think they definitely were okay with taking him. They, they turned up the heat as much as they could, but their name was just a, a place that Cole wanted to go. So I don't think it's a backbreaker. You can go out and get a shooter, whether that's, that's via the portal, whether that's looking throughout this class. You know, they're expanding now because there's it's really not a whole lot outside of the state. Now you got Merez committed, James committed. I know he's left. Uh, Noyes is committed. Cole, they, they got to look outside the state now to to see what it looks like. But also, we've talked about before. I don't know how big their 
high school classes are going to be going forward. So uh, we got to see how that goes. Yeah, it's, it's really been a di- big shift because at this time of year, usually we'd be talking about the AAU circuit and who, who are these targets and who's going to be Illinois star in two, three years from now. There's way less of a focus for us uh, on that, and that means because there's a less of a focus for some of these college coaches. You still got to recruit preps, and I think Brad Underwood, I think ideally would like half his roster to be guys that, that he recruited prep-wise, but the more and more you go into this, and as you lose a Jade Neps and – uh, Sky Clark within the first year of being on campus, you lose the 2021 class, most of it, two of the thir- three guys within two years. So, like, well, is that, is that the best way to build a team? But um, what do you expect the 2024 focus to be? I've seen a lot of 25 offers, including while we're getting old, Kyan Anthony, Carmelo Anthony's son, gets an offer from Illinois, four star guard out of, out of New York. Um, but what do you expect their prep recruiting focus to be, whether it's 24, 25, and beyond? They've expanded the the net, so to speak. You go out in the live periods in the spring and, and get a chance to see these guys. So you've seen a handful of offers. Uh, you look at wings. You look at some some fours and, and whatnot. I think as you kind of forecast this thing forward, we've talked about it. I think Perez probably is a primary five uh, in college. You look at that. You look at Amani can play – the five, especially early on, it's kind of that small ball five, slip, slip, uh, switches to the four as he gets more ability to uh, sh- shoot the ball from the outside. So you definitely need to reload on wings for sure. They're going to look at some guards too. And uh, they've been able to go out there and, and identify some different guys. So it'll really heat up once we get to June. You get the, the team back on campus. You, you get, That's usually a big time to get people to come on visits and, and really to see who they're – they're really prioritizing. So at this point, really the focus has been primarily on the portal and, and these decisions within the team with Coleman and Terrence. I'd say they haven't gone out there and, and scouted a lot of people because they have uh, as far as the 24 and 25 classes go. It's just a different – and I know even for people who are used to consuming recruiting info, like it's just changed where yeah. usually at this time I could give you a list of like 15 guys and, and break it all down tier one, tier two – it's just slowed down as far as the process for high school recruiting and that it, it is a little bit later developing. And then also there's not as much of an interest to take five man classes anymore. So I think it still kind of sets up to be a, a smaller class for Illinois in 24. Now you are going to lose a lot because you're going to have so many guys that are one year, you got some one year rentals. You got some guys that, you know, if Terrence come back, obviously he's not going to stay another year. He couldn't, if Coleman comes back, he's not going to stay another year. Uh, that whole type of deal. So you're going to be turning over your roster. I just think that there's still a, a decent interest in going to the portal and staying old and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I want to get into this. If, if any of our live YouTube listeners, uh, watchers have any comments, questions, we'll get to those before we get out of here. We'll wrap up in a few minutes here, Derek, but um, you get these guys coming on campus in June, but you do have a couple guys that have obviously stayed on this roster. Only four of them so far. That we know of Dane Danger, Luke Goody, Sincere Harris, Ty Rogers. I want to ask you about the two rising sophomores, Sincere Harris and Ty Rogers. What do you think is a realistic expectation for progress in year two for those two guys? With Ty, it's just I think that you'd love to see the jump shot come along. Like that that's something that they know is the biggest hole in his game. It's really the difference between when he can be a legit NBA prospect and not. Um, what's reasonable expectation? I don't think he's going to come out and shoot 35% from three on like five attempts a game, that whole kind of deal. It's just 
to be able to have a, a potential to maybe knock down an occasional mid-range jump shot when guys sink so far into the lane, knowing that I mean he could, he really got to the bucket off the bounce really well late in the year. So I think people are going to play his drives for sure and understand he's going to he's going to get there for the most part. Uh, the jump shot is something that I think it ties into his th- free throw shooting, even if. The only progress of his of his shot this offseason is, hey, he's not a 50% free throw shooter anymore. He's a 65, close to 70. That would be a, a nice development for someone that can draw a lot of contact. Uh, the left hand needs to, to develop as far as his finishing goes because we saw him really favor that right hand when he's on the left side and, and he kind of contorts his body and everything. It's just a, it's a harder shot to get blocked if you can go left hand. I think that there's – and it makes sense. I mean – why wouldn't the next level and even, you know, obviously trying to help your team being able to finish at the highest rate, you want to use the left hand too. Um, and just ha- maybe have him come into more of a, a an assertive role and just understand you're, you're in a bigger role now. You're uh, kind of a veteran. I, I know you're going to have some, some older pieces around you, but don't be afraid to, to be vocal in a huddle. Don't be afraid to, to take charge here and whatnot. So, uh, I really liked how he progressed late in the year. I know obviously everybody did. Uh, I think he can still play a little bit of point forward at times. I think there's a value to do that, even if you do get a Ray J. Dennis, just to give someone a different look and have him body some people up. But uh, they've worked on the jump shot already. It's been a big focus in the spring. I know they like, at least so far, some of the signs as they kind of rework some things within his mechanics. But if you can just get a little bit of progress in that front, especially the free throw line and the left hand at the rim, that'd be really good for Ty sincere um I, I think for me it's slowing the game down right like just you know i love his attack mode and there's a fine line you don't want to take that out you don't want to take that dog out of sincere Harris. but especially on the offensive end it's slow things down um keep your eyes open i, I just think that that's the next step for him and that's why playing is, is significant for him going into this year he got that experience he learned from that and I think that's next because we know defensively he can be one of the best in the Big Ten. Like he can make uh, a really good career out of that. But to be a starter, to to be a guy that eventually can be one of the best players on this team, that that processing offensively. Like I know he's got to shoot a little bit better. I know all those things. Maybe that can come with time. But for me, it's it's the decision making when he's got the ball in his hands. Absolutely, being able to shift down a little bit, like <laughs> ratchet all the way up to a hundred when you're on defense, full court press. But when you're about to drive a lane and, and finish or, or just try to process when should I take it to the basket? When should I pull out here and, and pass it off? Because there were some times where a little overly aggressive offensively and uh, kind of hurt you at times. But I think that, yeah, processing uh, is something that it, it just is kind of a natural progression. As guys settle into college basketball, the game does slow down. They see things. They know what to expect. And I think as he has that happen and also as he gets stronger, I think a, a big thing is, is bulking him up a little bit more in the weight room is yep. you'll probably see him finish a little bit more efficiently at the basket. And that's just something they gotta they gotta work on. Contested finishes. Now he was able to go up and transition, have some slams where earlier in the year he was struggling with that. I think he can obviously build on that because he's a he's a good athlete. He's a, a twitchy, explosive athlete. It's just when he gets a body at the rim when he is contested. Can he finish that uh, three-point shooting, continuing to, to build on that? He had some moments where he hit threes, and then Big Ten play really cooled off. Uh, and then, yeah, it's just a guy that is just trying to, to fill out the game, understanding, and, and trying to, 
I love his dog. I love the dog. I love the 100 miles an hour, especially when you, you want to press that thing and put pressure on people because he, he made some some good players uncomfortable. Like Ty, Tiger Campbell was uncomfortable in Sincere Harris is gardening. The Texas guys too, right? Um, yeah. I think they Martin were pre- pretty uncomfortable. The Virginia point guard, um, who sadly had one of the worst turnovers I've seen in that NCAA tournament game. Um, but, yeah, he, he did that – Like. I think the saying always goes with coaches. I'd rather have a, a whoa guy than a go guy. Like I'd rather have a guy I have to calm down rather than a guy I got to kick in the gear. Um, and I think that's the case. And uh, now it's just about building on uh, what was a promising freshman year. Uh, last one for you before we get to these questions and comments real quick. Three freshmen, Nicolo Moretti, Amani Hansberry, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. Just quickly, Derek, don't have to go too deep into this. Like what is, what is your expectations for this freshman class? it's got a chance to help you. Uh, it will probably depend on what happens with Terrence and, and Coleman and, and obviously Ray J. Like you, you think about the backcourt, you would hope to have a, a true point guard. Cause I think outside of that, I mean, Moretti is, but I don't think he's going to be entirely ready to come in and, and give you a solid chunk of minutes in, in spots. Could he go out there as a, as a redshirt freshman and, and help you a little bit? We'll see. I think that, his strength is a, a big thing that they've focused on too because he's a slight stature and I think he, especially defensively you worry about how we'd be able to hold up um, and then we just haven't seen him in the college game go out there and pick and rolls and process and that whole kind of thing I, I from his FIBA stuff and watching him he's got good vision he's got an ability to shoot it a little bit so just his progression forward uh, is is important but if you get Ray J you kind of calm down kind of the urgency to get him on the floor uh Dre Gibbs Lawhorn I think you want to you find somewhat of a role for him because you want to keep him happy honestly you want to hope to keep him for a few years and it's a guy that uh is talented like he's got an ability to shoot it he's got an ability to uh make some plays off the dribble I know Brad's talked a lot about he's a guy that especially as he progresses is someone they think that can make some good decisions with the ball in his hands and he's a really good athlete like I think that defensively if he buys in, he could be pretty impactful at that end. And then being able to be a little bit of a, a scoring punch for you uh, will help. Obviously, he'll be in contention with a Justin Harmon type, uh, Sincere Harris as well, how that plays out. And then Amani, I think that Coleman's decision will play a lot into how much Amani's role is going to expand or then obviously get tougher if Coleman comes back. And not to say it's – we've talked about it. They would probably still want a big man if Coleman doesn't return, but – uh, if if he's not back, I think that Amani's got a chance to really crack a rotation and, and be someone that I think is going to be an energy guy. I think he's going to be someone that is going to rebound and be physical and uh, that whole kind of thing. And then offensively, it's just how does if he has a jump shot, can he can he at least establish that, or is he mostly going to play? Which I wouldn't be surprised. If he mostly plays kind of that small ball five and does a little bit of facilitating from the perimeter, uh, finishing inside if he can. Um, but I like Amani a lot. I think that. He's someone that you'll you'll like his minutes when he's out there. He's going to play extremely hard. Yeah, definitely guy you want to build around uh, for sure. Him and Ty Rogers, Sincere Harris. It's uh, the kind of guys I think Brad Underwood really likes. All right, let's get to a couple comments before we get out of here. Hey, the Field of 68, the second best basketball podcast on YouTube, they say, of us. What's up, Trev? That couldn't be Trevor, could it? <laughs> What's up, man? Uh, those guys do great work over there, of course. Um Apparently, we're doing this podcast. It's been reported that Ray J. Dennis is visiting Utah now. This guy is getting across the country right now. Um, that's a good Utah program. 
I don't know how concerned you'd be about that one if you're Illinois, when you got Baylor and, and Michigan, some of these other programs. But uh, it's as we said at the beginning of the podcast, he's just checking out his options, man. This is this is his time to be wined and dined and to, to find out his best fit for the best leaping point to the NBA. So I don't fault the kid. I don't fault him. Um, I did not see Utah as, as a team that he was going to visit. Is he throwing up smoke screens? I, I don't know. But um, Utah's very pretty. Like, I was out in uh, Arizona. I think you wanted to go see some West Coast mountains. Or, I know, Haven't uh, checked that state kind of off my list yet, Utah. But I hear if, if you're a hiker, if you love the outdoors, that's definitely a place to check out. Yeah. I don't know what Utah's setup is, like, NIL-wise. It is a solid program. Uh, I'd be surprised if he goes there. I I still think that, as far as I can tell, it's most likely to come down to Illinois and Baylor, unless something just completely changes down the stretch of this thing. But uh, that's a similar one to even more sense of kind of outside the box than Michigan. I'm not sure. I, I don't have Listen, uh, honestly a ton to say on that, other than like you said, he's he's going through the process. He's hearing some people out. I, I had to look this up. Larry K, Coach K, is gone from Utah. It's Craig Smith who was at Utah State before that. Mark Madsen came in, had a great couple years now at Cal. Um, Craig Smith is 14 and 26 during Pac-12 play. I don't feel that threatened. It's just interesting. He's, he's visiting there. Yeah. Uh, Chris asks, Illinois, or he says, Illinois is in big trouble if we don't get two of the three, Hawkins, Shannon, and Dennis back. If you get one of those guys, I feel like you can be an NCAA tournament team, scrappy, Wisconsin-like. Um, if you get two of those, I feel really good about your team. I feel like you can be a top half Big Ten team for sure. If you only get if you get three of those guys, I feel like you can be a sneaky conference contender. Definitely. Uh, if you were to get one of Shannon or Hawkins, you still have big questions at point guard, and, and would that really cap your upside? I, unless you answered it, yeah, because then what's your alternative? Are you going to play a freshman and Dre Gibbs Lawhorn at point guard? Are you going to play? I don't think that Ty is like a primary point guard option. I think he's more of a spot fill in that type of a guy at the at that spot. Uh, Justin Harmon's played on the ball, but his turnover rate was really high last year, so that would still be an issue. Now, would there be a? Could you get like Shannon back and then pivot and get somebody other than Ray J at point guard and still be all right? Yeah, I think you could still have a, a lot of of good pieces, and if the point guard is adequate enough, it could be a tournament team. Yeah, but yeah, no doubt two two of those back or two of those coming to your roster would really put you in a position to be competitive, be a top half Big Ten team, maybe even top five. And I think they can make some noise if it really clicks because I like someone like Garrier and, and Damask and even Harmon, especially if he's off the bench. Like, I like how they've set this thing up yeah. for sure. And here we were talking about Ray J. Dennis earlier and, and Cubs fan weighed in and said, does Illinois really check all his boxes if TSJ and Hawkins don't return? They're far from guarantees. Why would Dennis want to come play for a bottom half Big Ten team? Yeah, I mean that that could impact his choice. So it's one. It's it's interesting who who makes the decision first here. Like, does it depend on each other? Uh, I think Illinois is going to have a good feel for for what these decisions will be. But Illinois still has a cell of you're our guy. Like you, you're our go to guy. You have Domask. You have Garriere. You got some young guys coming up who can be good. You got good depth around you. But you can be a star on a, on a Big Ten team with good shooters, good pieces around you, uh, that, and we can showcase you for, for the NBA, like the way we did with Io DeSumo. So I still think they'd have a, a really good sell, um, even if they can't guarantee that those guys are coming back. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think it impacts 
especially for someone that hasn't been to the tournament yet, uh, I think that is a value to him. So there'd be concern of what happens if I go there and those guys aren't there and they don't go out and get a, a replacement wing or a replacement big. Can I get to the tournament with that team? That wouldn't be a guarantee. So I, I think that it helps to have talented players around him. I, I do think, like you said, and we were talking about some adequate role players in the mix that could uh, be enough talent to, to let him do work. And obviously the usage rate would be through the roof. And I think the NIL, I mean, if you aren't commanding or you're not committing NIL to, to Terrence coming back or to Hawkins back, like why wouldn't that more, more so go to Ray J Dennis? But um, yeah, I think it does play into the mix. Some, I, I think it's interesting because like you were kind of hinting at, like, I think Terrence for him to look at Illinois, Illinois is the most attractive if they answer the point guard, like they need to get a point guard to set him up, put him in the right position to really showcase himself. And then for Ray J for Illinois to be the most attractive. And I think that part of the sell they've been pitching to him is like, Hey, we think there's a pretty darn good chance that Terrence comes back and you and him in the backcourt. There's a lot of talent there and he can make you look better and vice versa. So uh, I think it will be interesting to see how, you know, who's the first to, to say, okay, I'm going to be at Illinois next year and how that plays out yeah. uh, with the other dominoes. I and mean, that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, we had one last question we'll get to, Derek, and I'm glad to uh, send it in because we wanted to bring this up, and I hadn't yet. Uh, if Hawkins doesn't come back, do you recruit a starting center or a backup to Dame Berserker S? Uh, yeah, they, they've been linked, right? They, they've been looking to at, at some, some big men. So uh, if Coleman Hawkins does not return, they seem prepared to pivot there. Like, how do you expect them to pivot if Hawkins stays? Or goes. Yeah, even through this process, I think when they thought for a while it seemed like Hawkins was coming back, they still were interested in Jesse Edwards and and Caden Shedrick and, and some some guys at the five that could help them. Uh, definitely, if Hawkins doesn't return, they'd like to add a front court piece. I think in particular someone with length because out, outside of like Coleman is what six ten in, in that range. If you don't return him, the, the tallest guy on your roster is going to be 6'9". And while, I mean, Dane has a 7'3 wingspan, he can play a little bit bigger than that traditional 6'9", but I think you'd like a rim protector, yep. uh, ideally, if you could possibly get it. Uh, I know someone that they've been familiar with in the past, uh, Adrame Dianga from Washington State. He was at Arizona Compass Prep uh, with Colin Boswell, actually, when they were recruiting him. Uh, he's in the portal after one year, shot blocker, uh, long skinny athletic type of rim runner rim roller I think they'll be in the mix for him and uh, some other names we'll have to see I think not a five but Arthur Kaluma was another guy that they've recruited in the past he's not a five he's more of a four could you make that fit work could you play maybe all right we're going to play Dane obviously at the five maybe Gary A plays more so small ball five you, you slot in Kaluma as a four he's really talented I mean going through the NBA combine right now i wonder about how you'd sell that to him with i mean domask is a potential three slash four ty rogers potential three slash four do you have too much overcrowding there at that potential position but there's no doubt that they would want a front court piece if hawkins doesn't come back of course their their main goal right now is for hawkins to be that guy yeah there's a lot that has to play out here, Derek. And uh, I think the sooner you get the answers, the better for this Illini fan base because uh, there's there's a lot riding on these decisions. And, and we wait and we talk through these potential scenarios. But uh, these people uh, have to make their decisions. So big couple weeks for Illinois. 
There's no off season. It's fun though. I mean, it's, it's been two months of this, and uh, Illinois fans, I think they enjoy this. I, I really do. Oh, yeah. um, you know, building a roster like this is, I find, fascinating and, and entertaining. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stress that goes along with it, and I think Illinois fans are ready to to know what their 23-24 roster is going to be, for better or worse. Right. I mean, it's a good problem to have as far as Shannon Hawkins. Like, there's a long stretch where the NBA wasn't too interested in what Illinois had there in Champaign on their roster. So uh, if Hawkins stays in the draft, I think the narrative's out there, and I I fully agree with it. Like, taking a three-star out of high school, developing him to the point of being a, a draft worthy prospect, that's a that's a feather in your cap. Terrence Shannon wanted to come and boost his NBA stock and, and be in a better position. If that happened, if he had the I mean he was I think for the coaches, he was a first team all Big Ten guy and had a pretty darn good year, led you in scoring. If he then decides to jump, it helps you. Now I, I understand part of what you really want is the consistency uh, with your team production. Last year was a disappointment and then it'd be hard with following that up if you at the very end of it, lose Terrence and Hawkins, like then all of a sudden you're not in that same position to to compete the following year. That would be disappointing. But yeah, there's a, a lot of moving parts and, and that part of it has to still play out. And then obviously Ray J, I don't know, the Utah thing, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it, but it's obvious that he's checking things out and, and it makes sense like we talked about. Yeah. But Illinois could really use that one. I, I don't want to say it's a you know, their, their season rides on Reggie Dennis or not, but they need him. Chris, good way to end this. We're thirsty. Yeah, <laughs> you are, and I understand it. All right, thanks to everybody for listening on our podcast. Uh, give us a like, follow, rating, review, wherever you get those. Thanks to our live YouTube listeners. Thank you guys. More than 250 people at one point on the live stream. Hit the like button on the way out. That really helps us out. Subscribe to the Illini Enquirer podcast if you don't already uh, on YouTube and uh, you know, give us a hit that notifications bell as well. Derek Piper, thanks for the insight as always. We'll rendezvous next week and see if we have any movement on this front. I'm sure there will be some, some kind, but yeah, uh, fun as always, man. Talk next time. Thanks everybody for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye everybody.